Good morning, church. It is so good to see you. I'm so happy that you're here. You've joined us today in in March, March 5th. That's going to be a great day. Everyone that is watching online, please take a moment to share the stream with someone. If you're on Facebook or YouTube or any of the ways we get it out there. And if you're on your phone in here, go ahead and share the stream as well. It's a great way to connect with the people that are your connections on social media and maybe get a good message into their hands. So we are in our series. Uh, This is the second installment of a series I think is pretty fun. It's going to be a brief one. There are only three Sundays, so we're in the midpoint of the series. Uh, But it is called The Voice of the Heart. Now, quick poll. How many of you were here last week? good number of you. Okay, if you weren't here last week, hopefully you've already caught the sermon online to get you up to speed because we're not going to do much of a recap. And to be quite honest, these concepts are somewhat uh, different uh, than what we've grown up to believe, so I hope to challenge our thinking along the way. This is based off of a book called The Voice of the Heart, A Call to Full Living by Chip Dodd. He's a Christian psychologist I think we have a picture of it there. If you want to find that picture on Amazon, you can have it shipped to your door in two to three days. It's a super easy read. I've read it multiple times already. It's just a couple hundred pages, uh, and it's very fascinating. The three talks that I'm giving, though, will not be able to communicate everything that is in the book. And this is a book that you kind of want to sit with for a while. Each chapter has questions that you can do some self-evaluation and praying and talking to God about where you stand in the mix of all of this. I'm not going to be able to cover it in three Sundays, three talks, so I do hope that you'll get the book. It's it's good. One of my favorite books, actually, it has come to be. If you'll stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word today, I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 through 10. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, or does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Father, we come before you today. I thank you for our time together. I thank you that we have gathered together to put you first in this moment. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just take this word and let it speak directly to our point of need. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, before you sit down, why don't you just turn to somebody, fist bump them, high five, tell them they have a beautiful heart today, and then you can sit down. (laughs) While you're getting settled, I just want to invite you to Wednesday, this Wednesday, uh, Buki is going to be doing a teaching at Awaken. And, yeah, all right, okay. Great, thank you. I'll let her know that you're excited to hear her speak on Wednesday. Uh, no, she is just a brilliant communicator. 
loves the Lord. She's in eKids every Sunday. Actually, you can go back and uh, high-five her for that. She's amazing. But she's going to be teaching us how to uh, live by the Word by praying the Word. And I've seen her notes, and oh, it's just going to be so good. So I invite you to that. I do need to give you another update. I mowed my yard yesterday. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. My wife is coming home soon. I figure I better get things in order. Um, but I, I mowed the backyard, and I have to tell you, normally Jordan and Tristan mow the yard. But I was just feeling ambitious. And then I realized why I don't normally like to mow the yard. The yard is way bigger than I remembered it being. So I just need to publicly apologize to Jordan and Tristan for always acting like it's no big deal and y'all are whining, because it's a big deal. I, I mowed the backyard, and it, it was huge. And listen, I'm so white that I got sunburned in winter. <laughs> That's why I am, I am so fair-skinned. Uh, I, after I mowed, I was like, what did I just do to myself on March 4th? This is ridiculous. Anyway, as I was mowing, you know, I do remember how to mow, Jen. I, I remember how to mow. And so I know that first you have to go through the yard and pick everything up. You have to pick up the water hose that's going to the pool. You have to pick up dog gifts, because if you run over those, that's not going to be nice. And so I, I went, the, the grass was kind of tall, though. Is your grass, it's kind of just growing up all of a sudden. And so I picked up everything that I could see, and then as I was mowing, I ran over something really loud, and I realized it was a big chip of mulch under the blades, and it was very loud. So I looked around for more mulch. I didn't see it. I don't know how that one ended up there. And I keep walking, and then I run over a tennis ball. Now, a tennis ball, I'm sure, is from my favorite dog, uh, which we talked about last week. Uh, so I wasn't too angry. I just picked it up. But the tennis ball was messed up because it was hiding in the grass where I was mowing. I didn't see the things that were hidden in there. Eventually, I made my way all through the yard, hitting lots of mulch that I didn't see, hitting some small rocks, a tennis ball, and a couple of other things that I don't even know how they ended up in our yard. But our heart is kind of the same way, I think. Our heart is this landscape where we think it looks clear and it looks clutter-free until it's time to do work on it. <laughs> and then when you have to do work on it, you realize, I didn't know that was in there. How did, how did that get in there? I don't know who's responsible for that, but I know that that was loud and that hurts. In the yard of my life, there is trauma, debris, unmet expectations, hurt, woundings, betrayal. I can go on and on and on of the history of things that have impacted my life. And there have been times when I've thought I was well, times that I thought I was whole and healed and over something, only to find out that Somehow, God began to push on a little wound that I thought was healed over, and it brought it to the surface again. Last week, we made the statement that of all the things that the heart can be, the most thing that it can be is deceitful. It will deceive you. You will get up there with your lawnmower and think you've just got nothing but grass, but your heart will deceive you. Now, that doesn't mean that every heart is deceitful. That doesn't mean that you today have 
a deceiving heart. It's just out of all the expressions of the heart, the most common thing that the heart does is it deceives us. It will make us think one thing. It will cause us to be loyal to one thing or to reject something. And then before we know it, when the dust settles, we realize we've been deceived by no one else but our own heart. The good news from last week, and I'll probably say this every time in this series, the heart can be healthy. The heart can be healthy. Aren't you glad that we just don't have to live in a situation where our heart is always sick? We have the capacity through the power of Jesus Christ to walk in wholeness and have a healed heart. The heart can be healthy. And what is the heart? Just to make sure we're all saying the same thing. The heart is the seat of our will, the place of our affections, and the womb of our emotion. So when I say heart, Greg, I'm not talking about that thing that's beating in your chest and pumping blood to your extremities into that big brain of yours. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that thing that it makes you lean in when others might walk away. That, that thing that causes you to feel sad when other people might just be angry. We're talking about our heart. And I wish that every believer could always have a healthy heart. I wish that I always had a healthy heart. <laughs> but the truth is, just like our physical bodies and our spiritual lives... It requires our attention and awareness to walk in wholeness and healing. Just because you got your heart well once doesn't mean it's going to stay well the rest of your life. You have to intentionally nurture, water, and protect the heart that God has placed inside of you. Here's what we can do with our heart. Remember, Chad, I told you last week, we can't follow our heart, but I can lead it. I can encourage it. The Bible says I can encourage myself in the Lord. I can receive from it. I can benefit from it. I can listen to my heart. I can correct it. I can know it. I can feed it. I can grow it. There is a lot of engagement that you and I can do with our hearts. But we've gone through life just thinking that feelings don't matter. And I know I've bought the lie too. I forget your feelings. Go mow the yard, Jordan. But feelings matter. Feelings are actually a gift from God that is an indicator of the condition of our heart, of our affections, of our will, of our desires, of our needs. Emotions. I, I love emotions. I, I experience every emotion that can be experienced probably in the course of a 24-hour period. I'm not afraid of emotion. I'm not reckless with emotion, but I don't run from emotion. I, I like emotion. To me, that's living. That's life to embrace it all. I mean, let it start raining and I'll grab a book and be sad for a little bit. <laughs> let the sun come out and I'll be skipping around the pool happy. I, I'll, I'll take all the emotions in a 24-hour period, but here's what we need to understand. Emotions can ride in the car with you. Just don't let it drive. I heard someone else say, and I like this one too, I just didn't coin it. I don't remember who did, but they said, emotions make wonderful servants, but terrible masters. 
Chris Ballater. Okay, yeah. Feelings actually do matter. They indicate the condition of your heart. Uh, I had someone come up after the service last week and ask a very important question. And they asked me if I would be addressing in this short series anything about mental illness. And to be honest, I hadn't considered it until she approached me and I said, well, because you said that, I actually absolutely have to address mental illness. If I'm going to be talking about feelings and emotions and the condition of the heart, we have to put in a mental illness disclaimer. And here's what I told the young lady who was struggling with mental illness herself, and she told me the condition that she was struggling with. And I, I just reminded her that I believe, and this church believes, that mental illness is a very real physiological issue. It's not made up in the mind. It's not uh, just wanting attention. We believe that mental illness exists. We, we don't believe that it's always demonic. It can be. Cancer can be demonic. But I looked her in the eyes and I said, but here's what we also believe. Any condition of the heart, of the body, of the mind, of the soul, our God is still able to bring healing and complete restoration to it. So that's where we stand. And I said to her, and I'll say to you as well, if you have mental illness, a diagnosed mental illness, I'm not at all trying to to disenfranchise you or say that, that what you experience is not something very real and very different from the average human being. I, I get that some of us, some of you, we experience the range of emotions like on steroids times 10 of what other people might experience. And so I still think that this series is helpful for you, even with diagnosed mental illness, because here's why. We have been conditioned to ignore the voice of our heart. And whether I have mental illness or not, my heart is still speaking to me. It's speaking something. And if you and I, mental illness or not, can learn to hear the voice of our heart, can diagnose what our heart is actually feeling, and, and with this one condition, specifically, there are so many ranges of emotion that are felt, and sometimes you can't even identify what you're feeling with this condition. You just know that you are like a bat out of hell. But this is going to help her, and it's going to help you, and it's going to help me to understand that our heart has a voice. Our heart is talking to us because God established in you an indicator system to let you know when you're well and when you're not. So we don't just push our feelings off to the side. We don't act like it doesn't matter. We're not led by our feelings, but we have a healthy respect for emotion and feelings around here. I just want to throw out here this idea of false responsibility. You know what false responsibility is. Say, say your kid does something wrong and you come to the rescue and you, you all, all the kids are wondering if their parent is thinking about them. They're not thinking about you, kids. It's someone else, another church down the road, okay? <laughs> your kid does something wrong and as a parent, you desperately want to help them. You want to come to their rescue. You want to fix it, but... If you don't do it with discernment and wisdom, you can actually cause the problem to continue to happen because you're taking false responsibility for something your kid needs to fix. You're fixing what your kid needs to fix. I won't say on that. You just If that applies to you, just know that that's from love, but that's called false responsibility. Now, in the area of our emotions, false responsibility is like a dirty little cousin. 
because it will come out and say, you remember that trauma you experienced when you were seven years old? That's your fault. You made the person believe you wanted that, or you aren't strong enough to stand up against it. That's your fault. And so it will, it will shift the responsibility to the trauma as if you caused the trauma yourself. Are you with me? That's false responsibility, and then our emotions latch on to that. The guilt, the shame, the anger, all of the emotions that we're going to talk about next week latch on to false responsibility. But here's the problem. When I take ownership of the trauma that I didn't really cause to myself, I forfeit the right responsibility that I have in this season, which is to get healing. So many of us are looking at the perpetrator, expecting them to heal us. It doesn't work that way. You weren't responsible for the trauma, but you are responsible to pursue healing. Just to clarify, we can't heal ourselves. I'm in no way trying to take the glory from God. He is our healer. We can't heal ourselves, but we can keep ourselves wounded. And so there is a surrender. There is a release, a, a stop trying to control everything so that God and Holy Spirit can bring healing into our heart and into our mind. And throughout life, we've all had wounds. Everyone, no matter how great of a family you came from, no matter how attentive and wonderful your mom was or your dad was, everybody, nobody gets out of life without wounds. Everybody's wounded. It could be from Jimmy. That's his name. Second grade scared me so much. He chased me around the park bench at school in Anderson Mill Elementary. And that trauma sat with me for about 34 years because he had this very demonic face, Jimmy. Jimmy, if you're out there... I forgive you. <laughs> we all have wounds. And the wounds will often cause us to quit trusting the heart's natural cry for relationship, natural cry for intimacy, natural cry to be seen and known and heard and fed and grown. Your heart is crying out to get your attention. It wants to be well. But if we don't take care of the wounds of our heart, we're not going to live in the fullness that we need to for today. So however these woundings occur, if we don't address the woundings on an emotional and spiritual level by admitting and surrendering how our hearts are made. Your, your heart was actually made by a creator that is using your heart to communicate something to you emotionally and spiritually. And so today I want to, in the remaining time I have, just lay the framework for how is your heart made? How do you nourish your heart? I'm not getting into the feelings. Next week is feelings and it's going to be a great sermon. I, I love feelings. We'll have fun next week. But today, I just want to talk to you about how your heart is made. Because in Jeremiah 17, 8, it, it talks about the man who trusts in the Lord, and he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Let's throw that verse up there, please. 
is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So the healthy heart sends out its roots to get nourishment. So when the drought comes, it doesn't kill the tree. When the storm comes, it doesn't knock over the tree. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the root system look like? Because roots are powerful. The roots that are beneath the surface of your life are powerful. I mean, we've all seen that tree in, in downtown Main Street, haven't we, where the, the roots and the sidewalk are like the old tree. It doesn't matter how many sidewalks we put down. Look, that sidewalk is going to bow up. It's going to crack because the roots underneath the surface are powerful. And either you deal with your heart or the attempts to stop your heart's voice will create such conflict in your life that it will break you into pieces. Pastor, that doesn't sound very encouraging. <laughs> I'm just asking you to lean into the journey, to acknowledge that there might actually be more for you. Even if you're 67 years old and you've lived the same emotions your entire life, maybe God wants to bring a new awareness to you. Maybe you're 25, 26, and you don't even know what your heart feels. I want you to lean into this process, lean into this journey, because I believe that we're going to find some healing together. There are five roots. Can we go through them really quick? There are five roots that will feed and nourish your heart. The first one is no surprise. It's feelings. Your feelings, those things that we try to push away, listen, you ever seen someone that when they start to cry, they, they apologize for the tears? Oh, I'm sorry. Why are you sorry? Those tears are the language of the heart. We have been trained to not be vulnerable and not to show you what I'm feeling. And feelings have become the enemy, but feelings speak the language of the heart. And we use feelings to communicate our God-given hunger for a relationship. So we are going to embrace feelings. All the men in the house, we're going to feel. Can I get an amen? Yes. Okay, all right. We'll check in with your wives and see in a couple weeks. Feelings. You ever feel numb? You ever just like numb? Emotionally numb. Not like you sat on your leg too long. Like emotionally blank. I was so emotionally numb in 2018, I thought I would lose my life. I would rather be angry than numb. I would rather be sad than numb. Numbness is the condition that causes you and I to not investigate where our heart is at. And when we don't investigate where our heart is at and what it's trying to communicate to us, it always slips backwards. No one's heart ever just gradually moves forward. It's always slipping backwards. And feelings are a gift, and it's your feelings that will nourish your heart. Okay, that's number one. Here's the next one. Needs. Your heart has needs. 
I love what Paul said in Philippians 4, 11 through 12. I think I put that in your notes. But he says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to live in abundance and want. He, he knew how to be content. He had needs, but also whether those needs were actually fulfilled in the way he thought or not, he learned to be content. So you have to get to a place where you can identify in your heart what are the needs that you have. I used to think that the only needs, I'm a big, is that a need or a want, honey? I'm big on needs and wants. But I used to think that needs were only about clothing, food, shelter, and medicine. But we have so many more needs than that. Your heart has a need for security. Your heart has a need to be touched, to have significance, to be given attention, to receive guidance, support, freedom, safety, a place to belong. Your heart has a need to grieve. Your heart has a need to trust. What are the needs of your heart? An important example or an example of the importance of our needs is our need for attention. Receiving attention means that you're nurtured, you're cared for, you're, you're given space to actually like fill up the room with someone else. We all have a need for attention. The problem is if we don't get legitimate needs met legitimately, we will get legitimate needs met illegitimately. If you don't recognize the need that you have to be seen, to be known, to be loved, you'll find someone off the street to do it, someone that isn't there to be that place in your life. Come on, TikTok users, you know what I'm talking about. I don't actually have TikTok, but I'm a, I'm a man who knows culture. You have needs. And unless you take ownership of the needs that you have... like. I don't know. Have you even sat down with a journal and wrote out the needs of your heart? I don't think in 48 years I've ever done that until reading this book. And God has been, God has been messing me up the last few weeks as I've, I've prepared this. I'm, I'm learning. I can know a whole lot more about myself. Have you ever really, really sat down and listed what are the needs? Because the needs of your heart is one of the ways that your heart gets nourished. And unless we take full ownership of our needs, we're going to use illegitimate ways to meet legitimate needs because your needs will find a way to be met. Third one, desires. Desire is the hunger for life. It's the energy that moves you toward fulfillment and expression. Desires are almost like pure glimpses of how God created you to be, how, how if everything, if the odds were forever in your favor, how it would look in the future. Those are the desires, the way God has established you, the way he's wired you. And Philippians 4.8 says that when we're coming from a healthy heart, a healthy space, when, when our heart is not sick, the things that we think about is noble, pure, lovely, admirable, true, right and excellent, are our desires lined up with Philippians 4.8? This is how we inspect the condition 
of our heart because desires can become corrupted and tarnished. Desires can become very hurtful for you. I mean, start with a desire for truth can then turn into a desire for control. A desire for nobility can turn into finding those things which stroke your ego and give you propped up importance rather than being a person of true noble character. Maybe your desire for justice becomes a desire for everyone else to bow to your will and to your ways. Desires grow. So be careful the seeds of desire you plant in your heart because they will always produce a harvest. I've noticed the more sugar I eat, the more sugar I want. I've noticed also the more I go to the gym and work out, the more sugar I think I can eat. You thought I was just say, the more I work out, the more I want to work out? No, that hasn't happened for me yet. <laughs> be careful the desires that are placed. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is nothing linked more closely to the renewal of your mind than the desires that you carry. Write out the needs, inspect with a fine-tooth comb the desires of your heart. And number four is a very interesting one and can be confusing. It's longings. Longings. Longings are the heart's deep emotional and spiritual cravings for things that you will actually never have. Okay, so desires you can have. You can desire them and they can come your way. Longings are those things that you crave and you desperately want, but you'll, you'll never have it. For example, cravings for justice, peace, rest, safety, craving for home. We can look around the world and see just how unjust of a world we live in, but we can still crave for a time when justice will reign when Jesus will set everything right in the world again. Thankfully, we get a Sabbath every week. We get days off. We get some naps here and there. Because I have a desire for rest. And there, there are weeks, there are months, there are seasons where I just feel like no matter how much I'm sleeping, there's no rest to be had for me. But I have a desire for rest because God has wired me to understand that there's coming a day when it will be forever rest. Rest for the weary. Rest for the hurting. We long for safety, don't we? To end pain. We, we long for the world to just fit and make sense until you see that child in the hospital with tubes coming out because cancer is taking over their body and you understand that there is no justice and there is no safety in this world, not yet. But I have a longing to understand that there's coming a day. And I never feel quite at home. They tell me that's typical of an Enneagram 4, to be a wanderer at heart. But I think internally I know that eternally there's a home I've not yet been to. And I long for it. I don't want to get too comfortable here. I don't want to 
set up shop too much. I don't want to build a life around me, for me. I want to live for the home I'm headed to. Longings. The problem is some of us are putting our needs category in the longing category. Can I explain that? You have, you have a need for significance. You should feel significant. You are significant. That's a need. But some of you have moved it to the longing category, and you never get enough validation from anyone around you to ever feel significant. It, you are constantly running after the search for significance because you, you misdiagnosed it as longing. That's a need that can be fulfilled. Jesus can fulfill that. Your, your spouse can fulfill that. Your kids can fulfill that. Your neighbor can. That can be fulfilled. Don't get confused with needs and create these longings where everyone is constantly having to live up to your unreasonable expectations and your needs that you're just constantly needing them to do in you what only Jesus can do. And number five, The root that nourishes our heart is hope. Hope is the heart's passion for life. Hope is the voice that calls us to keep looking, to keep believing, to keep trusting. Proverbs 13, 12 tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. No matter what happened to you in your life, you still have the capacity to hope again. So those are the five. We have to identify feelings, needs, desires, longings, and hope. But the solution is threefold. First, we begin by feeling our Feelings, which we're going to talk about next week. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you understand what a feeling is. Hold on. Let me. Let me. I'm calling in audible. Stay with me. Nope. Just kidding. Nope. I'm going to find it. Wait. Okay. Here it is. All of these words are not feelings. Are you ready? Yeah. These are not feelings. But you, you feel them because it's an expression of a feeling that we're going to talk about next week. Fed up. Worthy. Puzzled. Perplexed. Intellectual. Antagonistic. Alive. Regretful. Depressed. Anxious. Cynical. Brilliant. Degraded. Alarmed. Threatened. Smart. Interested. Those all sound like feelings to me. We use a lot of words to describe how we quote, unquote, feel. But all of these expressions of feeling funnel down to eight core feelings. I actually wrote them on the bottom of your notes. Everything funnels down to those eight. So when we say, I feel agitated, we're not actually defining our heart. We're defining an expression of the heart. So we use all of these really clever words to describe what we're feeling, but in that process, we're not deeply connecting with our heart. 
And so I say, how's your heart? And you throw up a sign, good. No, it can't be good. That's not a feeling. Hey, how's your heart? Fine. No, that's not a feeling. Uh, how, how's your heart? Oh, nothing's wrong. That's not what I asked. How's your heart? Um, you know, I should just be grateful. Yeah, okay, but let's get back to your heart. I'm going to help you starting next week. Identify your heart. You know what? If you were to come up to me today and say, Trey, how's your heart? I would say, angry. That's where my heart is at. I'm really, really angry. But that doesn't mean it's all a bad thing. Anger has healthy expression. It is anger that takes us into the passion of life. It is anger that causes us to live for something bigger than ourselves. Now, it would just so happen that the season I'm currently in, if I could just be vulnerable with you for a moment, because I probably should practice what I preach. I'm in a season of pride and depression. Not like you got to call 911 on me, but like this sense of, I feel like God should be doing something more in me than I feel like he's doing. And I'm wanting to take control back from God. You ever felt that way? It's not like uncommon, I assume. You just have probably never heard a preacher say that or admit that publicly. But that's where I am. But hunger is a gift. Anger is a gift because in its healthy form, anger takes us into living life full. Anger causes us to pursue justice. Anger causes us to pursue love. So I'm going to help you next week define where your heart is. Your heart is either hurt, which is a good thing because hurt always leads to healing. It's hurt, it's lonely, it's sad, glad. Help me out, I'm forgetting some. Anger, angry, shame, guilt. One more? Oh, fear, yeah, right. All right. So this week, I want you to take inventory of your hearts. Will you stand with me? talking to someone last week and he said pastor the eight feelings they all sound negative but one and I'm like there is no negative feeling feelings are a gift they all can be expressed in a healthy measure and in an impaired measure it just takes discernment and wisdom to know the difference so we place your hand on your heart father I come before you today I thank you for every person here that is Uh, courageous enough to be vulnerable enough to really address their heart, to hear the voice of the heart, to know where their heart currently is. God, for those of us who felt numb and so disconnected from our heart, I ask that you would stir within us in the next six days as we take inventory of our needs and desires and longings and hope. God, I thank you that you're going to finish what you start. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say If during today's service you leaned into Jesus and you want to know more about walking with him, I would love for you to text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 512-980-1200.
20. We love you guys so much. Take what you learned in here. Take it out there. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.